Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, Satellite Sisters. We're excited to announce our new weekly newsletter, Pep Talk. That's right. It's happening. A little pep talk in your inbox on Fridays starting in August. Every issue will be short and sweet with podcast highlights, our recommendations for books, TVs, and films that are going to keep you entertained, plus recipes and other, you know, tidbits. And of course, there'll be a little pep talk because we all need that right now, don't we? It's the perfect newsletter to enjoy and then share with your satellite sisters and misters. You can find sign-up links all over the place, on our social media, on our website, on our Facebook, on our Instagram. We would love to have you sign up for Pep Talk now. Thanks. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a satellite sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. Thanks for joining us today for a special encore edition of the Satellite Sisters podcast. I'm Leanne Dolan. I'm a writer, producer. I'm here in my home in Pasadena, and I, I can't wait to share this show with everybody. <laughs> I loved listening to these segments again. Uh, maybe it's just me because they feature me, but uh, <laughs> I just loved it. <laughs> So, Julie, what about you? Are you excited? Hi. To yes, to I'm Julie Dolan. I'm the oldest sister. I live in Dallas, Texas, and I've lived and traveled all over the world. I have a passport. I'm not using it, but I enjoyed these segments too, Leanne, because it's all about your trip with your son, which, first of all, the fact that you pulled that off, that you actually went on a trip with your grown son, uh, I just admired that, and I'm very happy to hear these segments again. All right, and this is this is Liz. I am the middle sister. I'm here in Bend, Oregon. I live in uh, Santa Monica, California. And what I'm loving about all these recent episodes, last weekend, this week, Leanne, is sort of our Calgon take me away summer. You know, we're helping yeah. people imagine. Remember when we could go on these adventures, and those times will come again. Yes, sir. Were, yes we can absolutely. really start to look forward to how special these kinds of adventures are. So that's why I'm loving today's episode, even though, you know, it's all about you. That is always fun for us. And then there's a bonus in today's episode about um, the time I went to the Yemis and my shoes exploded. Yeah. And, which only is... you, Liz, could that happen. <laughs> I mean, only you. And then yeah. that, and that you carried on. That's the other part of it. Like it I did know. not stop you in any way. That's... Yes. You may be wondering, like, how could a shoe explode? And when a shoe explodes, what's left? Well, that's what you're about to find out. I, and uh, yeah, and it is Emmy season. I'm an Emmy voter. You vote on the Emmys at the end of August. And then normally you would go to the Emmys in September. Well, that's not happening. So instead, we give you the Exploding Shoes episode. 
All right, but first we're going to do two segments about my trip to Europe that I took with my son two years ago. Uh, it absolutely has taken on special significance since this whole pandemic, for sure, Julie, because one, I can't believe we pulled it off. Two, he was finishing up his junior year abroad, and so I met him in Rome, and I talk a lot about that in the segments, but I just feel so terrible for all the students that had, you know, semesters cut short last year that aren't going this year, whose entire college schedule has been upended. That's such a special and singular educational experience. And it's just a bummer. I mean, it's just a huge total bummer that they have to miss it. So when I was re-listening to this, I was really struck by that. Also, I have to say, I I thought a lot about the, you know, our trip because it just, I'm so glad we did it. Like, it would have been pretty easy. I had talked myself out of going to Europe for 27 years. Like life had gotten in the way, you know, you get busy, you have jobs, you have no jobs, so you have no money, you have no time. Uh, But we sort of made this trip happen. And I have been so grateful that we did. I think about it a lot. We talk about it all the time. People had said it would be really special to go with your son. And I had kind of (laughs) poo-pooed and poo-pooed that aspect. I hadn't really thought about it. Oh, Uh, I thought that was great. Yeah, but it was really great. So you're going to hear first um, about Rome and Pompeii. We did those together. Pompeii was a bucket list item for me. Rome I had been to, but not in a long time. So that was uh, really fun to go with him. Um, And I engage in a lot of broad cultural stereotypes. (laughs) I make a lot of generalizations, but... You know, and you're not going to speak Italian today, are you, Leanne? As <laughs> no, I'm this, not. But I, I share some some poor Italian in the segments. And okay. then uh, and the second segment is about then we went to Paris. And for that particular Paris aspect, I was researching a book sort of after I had finished it, my art history mystery that sold but has not been published yet. So I it was... In the time-space continuum, I got lost because in between these events, like I wrote a whole nother book, The Sweeney Sisters, then I got cancer, then there was a pandemic, and now we're listening to the podcast. So, Oh, wow. <laughs> a that lot has happened. Is, yeah. Yeah. That's a time-space conundrum for sure. Yeah. yeah. So I was, you know, but I was so happy to listen to these and there will be a lot of information, a lot of travel information on our website. Um, I wish I could be more specific, but when we switched websites, I lost a whole bunch of blogs. So my travel blog about Paris, my travel blog about Italy, but I am determined to recreate those. So I will put links uh, around if that happens (laughs) in time, (laughs) if I'm able to do that, I'll put those up at SatelliteSisters.com. But uh, first, let's just, uh, let's head to Rome. I mean, let's do it. Let's go to Rome. Yeah. All right, this is from May 2018. Leanne goes to Rome. I am back from my European odyssey. It felt like you were gone forever, Leanne. Yo, I was gone 10 full days. Uh-huh. And that was a good long trip, frankly. So for Julie and I, it was two full shows. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I think that's why it felt yeah. so long, Julie. Two I know, shows completely I know, on I know. her own. <laughs> We were worried, Leanne, what, what you would think of the two shows we did. But I, but you said they were pretty good. So, so far, so good. In some segments, I thought were very good. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow. Some were, some were very good. <laughs> I feel better now, Leanne. Thanks. <laughs> so, um, but just to refresh people, I went to Rome and Paris. I met my college-age son, Colin, who'd been studying abroad in Greece and in Florence. I met him in Rome. We spent five days in Rome, including a day trip to Pompeii, and then we went to Paris. Mm-hmm. And I know Rome and Paris, people go there, right? It's <laughs> yes. not monumental, except I hadn't been to Western Europe in 27 years. So a few things had changed. So this is the part of the show where I'm just going to make some broad cultural observations and engage in stereotypes. Okay. okay? Yeah. There you go, Lee. And that's uh, because we're very evolved here. Good. But that's what tourists do. I know. And I know that you guys have been to Europe a lot more than I have. Liz, you worked pretty regularly in Rome. Mm -hmm. uh, I did. At your last job. Julie, you're constantly traveling. You've also been there. But for me, it had really been a while. So Europe has changed in general, uh, if I could say that. Or maybe it's you. It's... (laughs) And, well, I know a couple of things. My language skills have deteriorated pretty badly. So my high school French and my college Italian were both pretty rusty, Mm -hmm. but I did attempt to employ them. But I can say this. Number one thing that has changed, so many more people speak English than they used to. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not even funny. Like, you, I mean... When I went to Italy the last time, a couple times in college and right out of college, because I spoke Italian, I was the only one in the group that spoke Italian, everything was on me. I had to do all the ordering. I had to get all the hotel rooms. I had to figure out the train station. It was kind of stressful. Now you start speaking in bad Italian, and they just respond to you, everybody in English. That's yeah. a big difference yeah. in 25 years. Really, Americans are the only people that don't, don't speak, speak other languages. <laughs> okay. You know, we're the only ones just sticking to our mother tongue, and that's it. Luckily, you're right. Many countries have adopted that as their second. <laughs> yes. So I found it helpful. I mean, it meant it was just enjoyable that I could use the board bad Italian and the rusty French if I needed to. And uh-huh. I nailed a couple of conversations with cab drivers. It felt pretty good. <laughs> Things like that. But it takes a little bit of pressure off. So thank you, Europe. Well done. Uh, Did you use any apps for translating, Leanne, or for uh, for communicating? Any of no. them? foreign language apps as part of your navigational tools? <laughs> no, I probably should have because I realized after four days in Paris that every time I asked for the bill, which is la décision, I had yeah. actually been asking for l'assiette, a seat. <laughs> so I kept raising my hand going, l'assiette, s'il vous plaît. <laughs> and they thought you just wanted to move? I, I don't know what, the, I was doing the international sign for check, so, and they, I'm very grateful they to the Parisian care. waiters yes. for not laughing at me. L'assiette, I was super confident. <laughs> so I should have used more. Um, you know, I could read well, mm-hmm. so I didn't need it, a ton of it. And again, it's good for signage and metro yeah. stations and things. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, the euro, fantastic. I mean, <laughs> not that <laughs> constant changing of money. Holy cow. I remember it. <gasps> well, talk to the Brits. They don't think so much. I know. I don't. And I know the Italians are thinking of dropping the euro too. Okay, Italians, don't do it. Because remember the lira? Remember the lira? You. <laughs> It was like thirty-eight million to one. I mean, it was you, you get a, you get a coke, and it was forty-seven thousand lira. I, it was just nuts. Yeah. And even the franc was it, it involved fractions. It was like, oh, no one can divide six and a quarter into dollar. What is that? Like, it just didn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And when you're traveling between companies, you don't need to panic spend. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, I have Gotta all this get rid lira. Of all my lira. No. Yeah. It was fantastic. So, I. <laughs> I'm all for the euro. Euro, Eurozone, you're in. All right. Roller bags. 
No one is backpacking through Europe anymore. <laughs> Remember those giant backpacks? <laughs> the big frames the frame? we had? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we looked like idiots and we couldn't get into the trains. And now everyone has a roller bag. They're rolling well, all day long, every yes, every thank, day. Thank you, Away. Four wheels. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I just want to shout out to our sponsor, Away, because I did get an Away bag, and it was fantastic, but everybody has a roller bag. So I felt really European with my with <laughs> Even my, on the cobblestones it was working for you? I, we were top-notch. Colin okay. and I moving through those cobblestones. I mean, he is a fast walker. He rivals Julie Dolan in walk speed. Oh. You and Colin could have a continental walk-off. I mean, I had to tell him several times, back off the pace. I can't keep up. Back off the pace. So I, I loved it. Roller bags. And this goes to the next one, sneakers. Mm -hmm. Okay, remember, it used to be just Americans that wore sneakers. Mm -hmm. You know, you could always spot the dorky Americans because we had sneakers on. Yeah. Everybody wears sneakers now, people. Yes. Very chic older women in Italy wearing sneakers. Really? All the young kids in France wearing sneakers. Business people wearing sneakers. Everyone wears sneakers. What mm -hmm. a relief. How sensible. <laughs> I mean, the whole time, Julie, I kept thinking... Please don't let me break my ankle. Please don't. Oh, let yeah, don't me. do that. Because we have terrible ball. ankles, you and I, and there's a lot of cobblestones and ancient streets. <laughs> it was a miracle that I came home without a broken ankle. Are you that old that you have actually started worrying about that, that kind of thing now? That is how old I am, Liz. <laughs> that is how old I am. Okay, smartphones. I know it seems obvious, but, and it's there are smart. a lot of pros and cons because everyone's looking at their phones and not interacting and stuff, but it's pretty darn handy to be able to make all those reservations ahead of time and the GPSing mm -hmm. and have your tickets on your phone. And it's pretty great, mm -hmm. I have to say. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that also accounts for why there are so many tourists in Europe. We'll get to that. Uh, okay. Europe, I just want to shout out salads. I mean, I... <laughs> <laughs> Is that a new development in the last 27 years? I have to say, I really thought California invented the big giant salad. You know, we have big, delicious, juicy salad here. We do. You know, filled with all kinds of tasty treats in it from nuts and produce. And avocados. Yeah, avocados and everything. It's like my favorite part of California, the produce. You know, we That's just... why they call it the salad ball, right? It is. That whole Central Valley. Yeah. And then both in Italy and in France, giant, juicy, fennel-filled salads with They walnuts. make it for all the Americans that are traveling, Leanne, because that's what they... They get into those restaurants and they ask for a big salad. There you go. It's just fantastic. I loved it. I loved it. All right. And I have good news for people who drink rosé. Mm. Even the sophisticated Romans and Parisians drink rosé. Mm. I mean, everywhere. Rosé all day. So if that's what you want to do, go for it. There's no shame. So you were partaking? You bet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not a lot because yeah. I was just with Colin. And it's just us. Yeah. I mean, you know, but yes, with a salmon salad, a yes. glass of rosé, Liz, there's, <laughs> that says that's Sounds living. delicious. And Same thing you would have at home. It is. <laughs> it's, except everything was a little bit better because you were in Paris or Rome. Yes. And then it's just a pleasure to be in two countries that appreciate coffee that doesn't include whipped cream. I mean, <laughs> the coffee purity in yeah. Rome and Paris is strong. Like, I mean, those Italians, the last thing they need is that espresso. I mean, they are going 100 miles an hour. They are talking over each other and talking with their hands and driving crazy. And they whip into those espresso bars and they just set them up a single yeah. shot and they throw it back. They stomp out of the espresso bar. It's not called espresso for nothing. There's, no, it's there's nothing <laughs> splendid. There's no whipped cream. Mocha is not involved at no, all. I no. just loved it. <laughs> they also are extremely judgy about Americans who drink lattes 
after lunch. I know. That is just so not done. Yeah. I got a real talking to from many of my Roman colleagues <laughs> during my business. No, nobody in Italy would ever order a coffee with milk after lunch. Yeah. That just would not happen. I was terrified to order any. Yeah, I just stopped drinking coffee before noon. I knew uh-huh. that that was a thing back in the day. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if they still, still held the thing. same. Still, still a thing. thing. Well, because they just, they just stomp in and they order those espressos. They shoot them, and then you just—they're out. It's the whole transaction takes like thirty-two seconds. Yeah, well, venti is not a word well, yeah. either. So that do we—they would never have the quadruple size, you know, slurpees full of coffee that we have in America. That would just no Italian would ever drink that much coffee. I just loved it. I loved it. So those are just like general, like getting back into Europe, and like oh my gosh. But Rome and Paris are both big global cities, and mm-hmm. there are a lot of tourists. That's the other mm-hmm. thing I noticed now that was really different than 25 years ago. Is that just me? I mean, yes. I feel like... <laughs> yes, I... it is. No, there are a lot more, there are a lot more tourists. Okay. Lena, it's, it's, you know, it's much more accessible. People want to travel. It's easier to travel and they want to see these great cities. Mm-hmm. So they go. Yeah. They I... take their roller bags and their sneakers and they're, they're off. Lena. Off they go. Yeah. I think because I think the internet has sort of opened up the idea. It has made it a lot easier because there were just a lot more lines in places. I didn't remember lines. Mm-hmm. Like we were in Paris for four days. We never got into Notre Dame. Really? You know, just lines wrapped three, four hour lines. And I don't hmm. recall call that and i don't recall the same thing at the vatican like the line was wrapped around saint peter's square i well i think that was always so kind of a hot spot (laughs) (laughs) i have to say when i was in rome i was like what did i do here in college i think we just sat on the spanish steps for four days because i don't remember any of these things but just in general i just noticed a lot more like Mm. lines and tourism and things like that things that it's, it's so it struck me. So I have a special report on Rome now. All okay. Right? So that was my generalization. Like if you're going to Europe and you haven't been there in a hundred years, <laughs> you're welcome. I think I've prepared. Maybe you, you could run a, your own special orientation course, <laughs> Liam, for people like yourself. For the once every quarter century club. <laughs> I'm not alone. I've talked to quite a few people who also haven't been there since college. Yes. It or happens. Never. Or, or never. Or never. Yes. Right. It, just, it happens. It happens. It happens. All right. So. Here, when we went to Rome, it was exciting because my son has been studying ancient history and Renaissance history. That's what he's been studying this whole year at school. And then he took Latin for four years of college. So he he's had a lot of... the boy after your own heart. He really is. I didn't want to say that, Liz. But <laughs> yes, that's true. And those are things that I'm interested in. I don't know as much about the Renaissance as he does. Um, but I know I, I enjoy Imperial Rome. And so, <laughs> so that was our focus, those two areas. Like uh-huh. you could go to Rome and do something totally different. You could eat your way through Rome or drink your way through Rome or, or shop, shop your yeah. way through Rome or do modern design. Uh, we know we stuck with Imperial Rome and the Renaissance and we had a fantastic time. He was just brimming with the confidence of having been abroad for eight weeks and, you know, studying these things and then seeing them. So he had a lot of information to add to every place we went. And I was surprised. And again, this is going to make me sound like an idiot. Like there is a lot of new old stuff in Rome. So mm-hmm. Rome looked really different than I recall. And I thought <laughs> it was just me. And maybe I never left those Spanish steps. But they have actually done a lot of excavation and a lot of work in the last 25 years. Yes. Apparently, around the year 2000, around the Jubilee, they decided 
to really spend a lot of money excavating things like the Roman Forum, which is thousands of years old, mm-hmm. and creating new museums and relocating things that were in sort of like badly lit wooden sheds to beautiful Richard Meyer buildings. So I, I thought it was me the first day. I'm like, this isn't at all how I remember this looking. And I thought there was a big traffic circle here. And what the heck is this museum? And so I went home. I brushed up. And like, oh, yes, all new stuff in Rome. New so, old stuff. New old stuff, which was fantastic. Good on you, Romans. I yeah. mean, way to go. Because that stuff, as we know, I think the rest of the Italian economy appears to be collapsing. Because <laughs> people are just drinking coffee. And I don't know what else they're doing. But they are spending a lot of money on their cultural heritage. So mm-hmm. it was really great to see. So we had a fantastic trip to the Forum. There's a beautiful new Forum Museum that we sort of happened into, and it's actually built in the within the walls of a third century AD market that was set up by Trajan. So you can walk through the stalls and the roads like they were, and you know the stuff they just that's recently excavated that they pulled out of the ground is there on the walls. You know, spectacular. They've done an incredible job. They sort of rerouted the whole forum, so that was a ton of fun to do. They have a couple of new museums, the Roma National. Museum is in a palazzo that they reconfigured, and you know they've really discovered a lot of stuff in the last twenty five years. So they, you know, they were trying to dig that subway for a while, and then they had to keep stopping because they kept running into things. So a lot of that stuff has surfaced. Yeah, and it was absolutely fantastic. I mean, I couldn't believe how much new stuff there was. And then you know, just everywhere we went, there's a whole the Aris Patches, which is like imagine the Lincoln Memorial if animal sacrifices had taken place on it, because that's what it is. It was mm-hmm. built in the in the first century A.D. for Caesar Augustus. And you know what, people? It just got buried because that's what happens to history and statues and stuff like mm-hmm. it gets buried. Even if you're the most powerful man on Earth, even if you're Caesar Augustus and you run an empire with 50 million people, which is what the Roman Empire had your stuff can get buried. And so they come, empires go. Yes, they do, Liz. Good thing to remember. And so they found that like, you know, uh, Mussolini found that 50 years ago and it was in a wooden shed and they really didn't do anything with it. And then a couple 20 years ago, they built a beautiful Richard Meyer building around it and they installed the beautiful altar. It's spectacular. Like, That was just a really lovely afternoon. So we had a ton of fun. Colin kind of set the agenda. You know, when you're traveling with the 20-year-old, a couple things you don't want to do. You don't want to wake up every day at 630. There's just (laughs) no point in that. They're going to resent you. Uh, But the good news is a lot of things in Rome were open to like 7 or 8 o'clock at night. They apparently get up late too, the Romans. So there was no rush. So we did that. We ate on his schedule. Like, you're hungry now? Okay, we'll eat now. You want another pizza? Have another pizza. Have a bowl of pasta. That was fantastic. But he was really enjoying all of that ancient history and the Renaissance history. So we were really able to enjoy all that and all these new places. And a lot of the newer stuff is not crowded because the crowds at the Colosseum and at the Vatican are mm-hmm. a little overwhelming. And this was May, so I can't even imagine being there in August. So to that end, we did do a tour of the Vatican, and I did an early entrance tour. With, oh, with how does the, that work? So the couple of companies are designated by the Vatican to get you go in at 8 o'clock in the morning as opposed to 9 o'clock in the morning. One of these places was Live Italy was the name of the tour group, and I'll put everything on the website. So 
You go in with a guide. There were only six of us. We got in at 8 o'clock, an hour before. So theoretically, you have an hour of the museum with a much reduced bunch mm-hmm. of people. And we just literally ran to the Sistine Chapel. I loved our guide, Julia. She's a PhD in Egyptology and was an art historian. And we we ran to the Sistine Chapel. And uh, we it's not like we had the place to ourselves, but she had done an amazing job preparing us as we waited in line to get in with all kinds of, you know, here's the Sistine Chapel. Here's this. Look at this panel. Look at that panel. We ran to the Sistine Chapel and then we kind of worked backwards. Totally worth it. And then we got to skip the line at St. Peter's and go right in. So instead of waiting, uh, you know, to get into the Basilica for hours and hours and hours, we were able just to go in after, you know, right away. Completely worth it. Leanne, that's how you do Disneyland, too. Yeah. You run to the back (laughs) of the park and then work forward. It was, yeah, it was like 100%. It was the Disneyland plan, but it was the Sistine Chapel. And Colin had been studying it all term, so it was particularly meaningful. And our guy, Julia, was so great talking to him and recommending books to him and and things like that. It was totally worth it. So if you've got, you know, the Vatican, the Sistine Chapel on your bucket list, Absolutely worth the money to do the guided tour. Otherwise, it's very confusing. Have you been to the Vatican Museum lately? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, not lately. Right. No, no. I mean, you don't even not remember. Not like the last 10 years. Right. I mean, it's just, it's a confusing place. And so we love that. And at the end of the day, Colin actually said to me, thank you so much for today, Mom. That meant a lot. For I was getting like, me up to, for, for an getting me up, start. Getting me to the tour. We did it. We had so much fun. Totally worth it. And then the other thing we loved were these books that people on our Facebook group recommended. Inside Imperial Rome. I'm showing nice. Liz. Julie, it's a 3D book because it shows you, look at this, Liz. So here's the cover. That's the Coliseum, the way it is today yes but oh look you put the magic flap over it <laughs> that's the oh, way it was that's the way the coliseum was <laughs> that's we, so low tech it's just amazing and so enjoyable every <laughs> and look it just happens oh you do Who it needs video nobody that's you know what we loved our books we bought one of these for rome and one of these for pompeii they had been recommended they were fantastic. They have a little guided tour for you, all the information you need. Nice. And then you get this low-tech experience of, oh, before and after. Fantastic. Yeah, nice. Okay. We loved it. So that is highly recommended. Again, I'm going to put it in a blog post. Uh, how are we doing on time? Can I keep going? Am <laughs> yeah. I too long? Yeah. No, uh, I think we're good. We okay. want to know more. All right. Just a couple more things. I, I have to say... We walked everywhere, you know, walked and walked and walked. Rome was a great city for that because the cabs are like death defying. <laughs> so I didn't really want to get in a cab. Yeah. And at one point, Colin's like, can we can we rent a Vespa? We could rent Vespas. I was like, we'll kill ourselves or each other. This will end badly. Let's just stay off of Vespa. So we did that. And then the last big thing we did was go to Pompeii. We mm-hmm. took this day trip to Pompeii. And I told mm-hmm. you it had been on my bucket list. Really wanted to do it. Very interested in this. And it was a little bit of work from Rome. Uh, you could you could get on a, a bus, a coach, a guided tour. But those started at like 7 in the morning. And I so think I no had – It was a no-go. I had done that once with the Vatican. He made it through. He was happy. But we decided to take the train ourselves. You take a high-speed train to Napoli. Then you get on a small commuter train. You go out to Pompeii. Sounds fairly easy, except then you discover there are actually, thanks Italy, two places called Pompeii. There's <laughs> and they're Pompeii on Pompeii South and Pompeii North. Uh, pretty much, there's the town, and then there's the site. Oh, and they're on separate train lines, okay. so you could very easily get one has one eye and one has two eyes. 
It's not clear which is which, Liz. And there's no English in the Napoli train station. This is a small commuter train. It's like a subway. Yeah. Uh, it's And the Pompeii, the site, is 20 stops from the Nap- Napoli train station. Mm-hmm. And I only mention this because we got on the train. There we were. It was a very crowded train. Mm-hmm. You know I have a little issue with claustrophobia. I know you do, yeah. <laughs> so I was Oops. like, I can do this. I can do this. It's going to be fine. And I, we were smashed in this train and then a whole nother wave of italians forced themselves onto the train and i looked at colin i'm like i can't do this i can't i had to get off the train i had yeah so this is like a bucket list item a lifetime dream i had i was like i just started screaming i have to get off the train I have to get off this train. I thought if they shut those doors, I'm a dead woman. Like <laughs> I, I was one like half a level be- beneath a, a panic attack. Total panic. But yeah. if they had shut the doors and I had 20 stops with those people on that, no. So I got off the train. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, Colin. I think he's like, it's okay, Mom. We'll take the next train. Maybe it won't we'll be. We'll go so to the crowded. other Pompeii. Not so crowded. <laughs> 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 it had like this full day plan, the, the museum, we're going to get pizza, we're going to go to Pompeii. No. We got on the next train. I had, I had a Coca-Cola, Liz, because that's okay. what you do. And then I got on the next train, not crowded at all. It was completely fine. But that, it almost stopped me dead in my tracks. So mm-hmm. I just want to warn people, if they decide to do the train route, just <laughs> just be careful. And But that, you've been to Pompeii. No, right? I never have. Yes. Julie, Julie you've been. you been there? It's fantastic. It's amazing because a lot of times you can't visualize how things actually, you know, what actually happened there. But in Pompeii, you can actually visualize what happened to that town. Yeah. Right, Leanne? It's it's an amazing site. It lived up and exceeded yeah. every expectation I had. I mean, it was absolutely fantastic. We had an absolutely beautiful day. And, um, and then... Uh, Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I just held up a note to Leanne that said, do you want to do more after the break? Because I know we were going to try to get this all done in this one first segment, but I know. there's no reason. Anyway, no, I'm, just, I'm wrapping we could, we could stop and have a Coca-Cola, yeah, yeah. Leanne. You could catch your breath. I'm sorry. I'm wrapping with Pompeii, and okay. then we'll then we'll move on. But, then we can decide. But yes. I would just like, to, and again, I'm writing this all up in a blog post. So I would just like to say, if that is on your bucket list, please go because it was a beautiful day. You know, it was a town of twenty thousand people, so it's a really big town and a really big site, and you can wander the streets, and it's sort of lightly reconstructed. You know, they didn't, it's not a Disneyland type thing. They've done really careful excavation in the last, again, in the last 30 years, they've done a lot of excavation. They put together a few things, but not so much that you yeah. feel like it's hokey. It's like Ephesus and Turkey. I've been there. Same thing. Okay. They've reconstructed part of it. Like there's the big library that they've kind of put together and you can get, generally get the gist of what the homes look like and what the baths look like, but it's not, yeah, some it's, Disneyland recreation. Yeah, it, it was really great. And that, and that, what surprised me most about Pompeii was, maybe this is being from California, you walk into these houses, you're like, oh, I'll take this. Yeah, I could totally live here. You know, it's like they were spectacular homes from 79 AD, you know, open courtyards, baths, murals on the wall, like great gardens. Kitchen islands? Yeah. <laughs> Stainless steel appliances? 
If Out, you, outdoor kitchens? If you squint, yes, plenty <laughs> of those, Liz. If you squinted, Liz, you'd get all those things. So that was like a hundred percent bang up, totally worth it, even worth the panic attack. We never made the Great Museum in Napoli uh-huh. because because of the my issue. Attack. But I'd like to thank my son for standing by me. <laughs> but we had a fantastic time. So I'm going to do Paris next week. But oh, I just great. wanted okay. to do like. All of Europe first and then Rome today. And there will be blog posts with everything we did, all the places we went. Links to Live Italy and other things. Thank you so much for all your recommendations, some of which we used, some of which we didn't get to, but it was because we just had a very full schedule and a super duper enjoyable time. So it was really, as people say, kind of a trip of a lifetime. It was very special to be there with Colin. I hadn't really anticipated that. So um, so we really had a lot of fun. Liz and Leanne here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support Satellite Sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow, do we we love Osea's skin and body care. And you know what? This Mother's Day, just look no further than Osea. Spoil the moms in your life with the little luxuries from Osea. The moms, the stepmoms, the bonus moms, the people who bring a touch of something special to your life aunts, grandmothers, they would love a little Osea this Mother's Day. And you can get 10% off your first order by using our code SATSisters at OseaMalibu.com. And Liz, you know what every mother and mother figure needs? What? More moisture, Liz. They need more moisture in their skin. (laughs) In their skin. I mean, really, the creams, the lotions, the oils, I love it all. That duo they have going. Like, you can't miss with the duo of Osea. Liz, the Mega Moisture Duo. Yes. You can you can literally see your skin get firmer, and it just delivers <laughs> this full body glow. Okay, you know we have raved about the Andaria Algae Body Oil. Mm-hmm. Well, pair that with the Andaria Collagen Body Oil. Youthful, yeah. Liz. A youthful yeah. glow is going to happen, <laughs> and it's a, infused with Osea's signature Andaria seaweed, so it just smells so delicious, doesn't it? I know you're talking about giving it as a gift. I also suggest just giving it to yourself (laughs) because you're worth it. (laughs) That's that's true. That is absolutely true. Okay, that moisture duo I mentioned too is a great value because you can save 16% plus the extra 10% with our code SADSISTERS. So this is it. This is a win-win-win Mother's Day gift. Spoil the moms in your life with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code SATSISTERS at oseamalibu.com. And you get free samples in every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Osea is spelled O-S-E-A. So head on over to oseamalibu.com and use code SATSISTERS for 10% off. Thanks, Osea. So we're back and it's time for Leon Dolan's tour of Paris, <laughs> France, which Julie and I have been anxiously awaiting for the weeks since you returned okay, let uh, me... from Europe. We loved all your Rome notes. Yes. And, you know, if you haven't seen that at SatelliteSisters.com or at LeonDolan.com, 
it's more than just notes. It was a lot of very fine photography that you... Yeah, you know, so, well, there's some, some pretty good photography and then some mediocre photography. Yes. But yes, you get photos along with it. Uh-huh. You get links to things. You get book recommendations, podcast recommendations, movie recommendations yeah. to supplement your trip. And then some specifics about the sites. Because in Rome, we really covered uh, ancient and Renaissance Rome. That's what we focused on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then we moved on to Paris. And one of the reasons I'd wanted to go to Paris, because my latest book is set in Paris. Okay, It's completed and news on that soon. Uh, But I I hadn't been to Paris in 27 years. So my (laughs) memories were a little foggy. So you're trying to write 100,000 words about a city you haven't been in, you know, Uh in a while. You're going to get some things off. You know, you get a lot right. I got a lot right. But some things were amiss. So I knew I needed to actually revisit the city and sort of track some of the things I did in the book uh, in real time. To make sure they were still possible? Yes, to make sure they still existed. And again, like I said in Rome, the city has changed, Liz. I don't know. Apparently, Paris has not stayed stagnant in 27 years. But I had spent at one point, you know, overall in my lifetime, I probably spent about a month in Paris. I've been there three times before, spending like a week to 10 days there. I really loved Paris. At one point, my French was really pretty good. So I was very comfortable in Paris. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit like returning to New York. Like you sort of remember, oh, yeah, that's where the statue of Oh, And that's how the metro works. I can do this. It it all came back to me, you know, very quickly. Like it, it it didn't feel that foreign. I was comfortable walking around. I don't know. The Eiffel Tower seemed a little bit farther away than I remember. But other than that, like everything else came back to me. And it's got all that new lighting, though, the Eiffel Tower. It's just awesome, right? Just a weird FYI, Liz. I was there the night they revealed that. Oh, New Year's oh. Eve, 1986. I was. You were? I was there. Yes. Okay. That, that is a stat that impressed my son because we were sitting at the Eiffel Tower Park and he was reading all about the book, about the Eiffel Tower out loud. And he was like, they debuted these lights in New Year's Eve, 1986. And I was like, well, I was here that night. I don't remember that's, it. That's the lights. But... That's impressive for your son. That is cool. It was. But you were at one point cool. It was. It was, a, it was a reminder, Julie. It was a reminder. So we had a couple of specific things we had to do for the book. So as I, I mentioned before, we didn't go to like far-flung places. We didn't try to see everything in Paris. There were a couple of places I had to go to that might not be like, woohoo, big tourist sites. But I, I'm going to give you some highlights of the things we did that really were great. Please. Now, he had never been to Paris before. And a couple of things to remember, we were there in mid-May, so it stayed light till like 10 o'clock at night. So we That's had, and we had fantastic weather. So, uh, and we did a ton of walking. We used the metro. We took a few cabs. I actually took a train somewhere in the middle of a train strike. So that didn't work very well, but I took that darn train and I took it back to Paris. But we had a couple of great like combinations of things that we did. So uh, the first day we were there, we just did a tremendous amount of walking. You just can't help it. It's You just want to see the whole city. And we, we literally walked 15 miles that day. Um, but my big plan, this is my big plan. There's like one night a year where all the museums in Europe are free. And we mm. happened to be there. That It's the middle of May. It's Good planning. So I said, oh, that'll be fun. We weren't going to go to the Musée d'Orsay because he had very limited interest in Impressionism in general. He just hadn't quite gotten there in art history yet. But I was like, well, if it's free, <laughs> let's go. So it's quite the Musée. We're yeah. wandering around, you know, during the day in Paris. We're walking up to the Eiffel Tower. And he looks at me and goes, you know, could we pay to go to that museum so we don't have to go with everybody in Paris <laughs> <laughs> and it He's was, a big thinker, Liam. 
I, it was like a light bulb went off. I'm like, yeah, I guess we could pay to go to the world's <laughs> finest museum of impressionist art. So that was fun. We paid to get in. And guess what? Because the museum was free Saturday night, there weren't that many people there Saturday during the day paying Excellent. the monies. Excellent. So, and I had recalled that they had a really great restaurant in the museum because Monica and I had been there 27 years ago when uh-huh. the museum first opened. So we timed it for lunch. We had a delightful lunch in the, in the museum restaurant. Then we took in all of Impressionism. And you know what? Impressionism, it's beautiful. <laughs> like it's just it's just so beautiful love it. after all these years Liam. it's Good. still strong julie like those renoirs are still take your breath mm-hmm. away mm-hmm. and the gauguins they're like they're shocking you know that period of post-impressionists and yeah the saisons and it's just a win-win-win like they're all beautiful and uh and he was like hmm, yeah these are pretty nice you know he's like getting on board with impressionism so it, we do we take in the whole museum if you haven't been there it's built in an old train station um uh, and so it, the Dorsey, which was the Gare d'Orsay, the, and now it's the Musée d'Orsay. So the building itself is spectacular. Tons of light, easy flow to walk around, he, those huge clocks you see in animated movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just spectacular. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, all the best Impressionist art. And then bonus, we saw Pierce Brosnan. In, oh, oh, yeah. Wow. So, because he's also willing to pay to get in. <laughs> he doesn't You're need on the free the VIP entry. tour. Yeah. yeah, he was just looking at it. He was just looking at a Renoir like I was. I only noticed him because he's literally the most handsome man I've ever seen. I mean, <laughs> so handsome. And then I realized, oh, that's Pierce Brosnan. I thought he was just another incredibly attractive Frenchman, uh, Frenchman, but no, Pierce Brosnan. So, so we did that on Saturday, and then Sunday I had signed up for a tour of Montmartre. Uh-huh. With an organization called Context Tours. Now they Good. give tours Good all. Good to of, do tours. You with know a what? Guide. I, I like that. Real tour with a guide. They promise that all the guides have, you know, MAs, masters, or PhDs, and they're given subjects. They're real experts. They're small group tours, just six people in our tour. They give tours all over the world. Like you can do a context tour of like Hamilton sites in New York City. Like mm-hmm. that would be fun. That would be fun. Right. With mm-hmm. someone who really knows early American history. So I have quite a few scenes in my book set in Montmartre. I had never been to Montmartre. <laughs> I never actually Well, that, that's gone. bold on your part <laughs> I to write about oh, a very specific area of Paris you haven't been to. Good that's the thing about writers, Julie. They just make stuff up. They make Isn't stuff it up. amazing? Yeah. They just, you know what? And stuff is on this thing called the internet. <laughs> so you can actually like Google map any street in the world, it feels like. But I wanted to get the feel of it. But what we didn't anticipate, of course, our, our guide, Marie, was fantastic. Of course, her name was Marie. <laughs> of course, it was. It was Marie. She had a <laughs> scalp on. And, um, and she had not one but two masters in art history. So she was really focused on that. And that's where a lot of the Impressionist artists lived. You know, mm-hmm. they all say on all your guys, all your big guys. Van Gogh lived there. They all Picasso, Brock. They all lived in Montmartre. Oh. And it's a very tiny little area. And so she was taking her iPad and saying, see this Renoir? Yeah, it was painted right there at this restaurant. So, like, the painting we had seen yesterday, like, came to life on the iPad in real life. Wow. And we had a fantastic tour. It was wow. three hours. She was great. And we just, yeah, we saw Picasso's house and Brock's house. And I, it was just the, you know, the Moulin Rouge. We saw the Moulin Rouge list, which was <laughs> exciting. And, of course, because we're was American. Was Nicole Kidman there? 
Course, you and McGregor? Of course, because we're Americans. We kept saying, oh, yeah, we've seen that movie. Oh yeah. oh, yeah, we've seen that movie. Like, we're just idiots. You know, it's our only culture. Like in Rome, oh, yeah, we've seen Gladiator. We don't, we don't need to take a tour of the Coliseum. We've seen Gladiator. So, yeah, we've been to Epcot Center, right? Yeah. You know, you're just... I mean, it's one step above Epcot Center to say you've seen the movie. But, um, but it was really a delightful tour on a beautiful day. Now, it was a little early in the morning, so Colin was a little bit of a grumpy bear mm-hmm. until we saw... This really hit him. She said, maybe you recognize this. And she pointed to a restaurant, and that was the restaurant in the movie Amelie. Oh, wow. Which is one of Colin's favorite movies. So all of a sudden, he's like, (laughs) okay, now I'm invested in this tour. (laughs) So we saw several other sites from the movie Amelie as we made our way up to Sacre-Cœur. And uh, there's a big scene that takes place right there in the movie. And so afterwards, he's like, could we go to lunch at the Amelie restaurant? I'm like, sure, if you want to do that. But just in general, that it was fantastic. Great. Like the tour really pulled together what we saw in the museum, what I needed for my book. Our tour guide was delightful. It was a, uh, just a really fun way to do it. And it was accidental, but now I highly recommend it. Like yes. do you could take a context tour of the Musée d'Orsay or you could just do the Musée on your own and then do this Montmartre uh-huh. tour. It was a great combination. And then... Uh, we we focused on a bunch of dead people while we were there, so mm-hmm. we had to go to the Pantheon in Paris, which is sort of the less lesser known Pantheon. There's the one in Rome, and then the one in Paris is this. It was a church, but you know the French—they're just not religious. They're really not. They have they have some excellent churches, they have ex- though, but they're very secular people. Yes, so they turn this excellent church into just like a burial ground and the and in entombed, and it's it's kind of airless and it's not really. I can't recommend it highly, but we went to see. Marie, it, there's a scene in my book that takes place there, so I had to go there. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, but we went to... Julie, see- are you dying to know what Leanne's book is about? <laughs> of course, we have no idea what this book is about. I, I, yeah, okay. People need to know that. Like, she shares nothing with us, or at least with me. I don't know, Liz, maybe you're getting more tips. No. Because we're not writers, so she doesn't believe that we can uh, appreciate Contribute some anything. of these early drafts. So yeah, it's okay. going to be a big surprise yeah. uh, to us. Action, so. action said in the Pantheon, I can't wait to see the movie, Leanne. Yeah, That's okay. of your new book. Fantastic. So, but... One of the one of the reasons Colin was excited was because the tomb of Marie Curie is there. Oh wow! But that section was closed, mm. so that was a bummer. Oh. That was mm. just a but. You know, maybe if you go, it will be open. That's yes. all I can say. Like Marie Curie was. She there. deserves the visit for there sure. Are a lot of other famous dead French people there in the bottom. Is of Napoleon the... there? Where is it? So who else is in the Pantheon? I have no <laughs> I idea. I should have written that down. I don't well, have a my lot notes. of writers. There right? are a lot of writers yeah, there because yeah. okay. then we also went to the famous French cemetery. That I had never been to before, the Père Lachaise Cemetery. Right. Now, the yep. reason I had not been is very personal, is that that is the cemetery where Jim Morrison is born. Yeah. And I buried, don't, of course. Buried, buried yeah. sorry, buried. And I don't like Jim Morrison or The Doors. <laughs> I think they're highly overrated. I think they're the most overrated American band. So in college, when everyone was going there to, like, worship the grave of Jim Morrison, mm-hmm. I just refused to go to the cemetery. Boycott of one. Boycott of one. Here you go. Père Lachaise stick to, Cemetery. Stick to your principles. Land. Good girl. But but Colin's like, Mom, you know, it's Chopin, it's Moliere, it's it's Oscar Wilde, it's all these other people. So you know what? 
He, we went to the cemetery, and it was a fantastic, fun afternoon. Wow. It was Sunday afternoon. It's a cool old cemetery. Like, if you've been to the ones in New Orleans, it has that kind of feel. Families were there. Picnics were happening. People wander around. There's a map. There's some really old graves and then some, some newer ones. So it's constantly evolving. And we really had a great time sort of searching out some of the graves of the people we wanted to see. So we did not go to Jim Morrison's grave on purpose, Colin, also. <laughs> Leon, way to go. Yeah. Nice move. But Sarah Bernhardt, we're glad we showed, oh, showed nice, up. Nice, nice. We're glad we stopped by you. So we saw some dead people at the Pantheon and Père Lachaise, and it was, it was enjoyable. I liked that. <laughs> and then the last little bit I wanted to focus on, we stayed on Ile Saint-Louis, which is the little mm-hmm. island behind So Notre charming, Dame. so beautiful. It is so charming, Julie. Now, that has changed quite a bit in 27 years because there's a lot of ice cream tourism on on (laughs) Ile Saint-Louis now. Oh, really? Which is not all that bad, Lillian. No. You to have a little glacé every once in a while. Right. So, like, the best, allegedly the best ice cream shop in the world is there, Bertillon. Okay, and that had a huge line at all. Oh, night. yeah, everybody writes yeah, about that. Everybody day, suggests that. Day and night. Yeah. And then, but now other contenders to the crown have also showed up. So there is a couple of Italian gelato places there and other places. So there's a lot of ice cream tourism there. Uh, so it was kind of crowded on the main street Saturday and Sunday. But otherwise, it was a completely delightful place to stay. And we stayed at a hotel, which is featured in my book, A Real Hotel. But this hotel is called the Hotel de Jeux de Pomme, and it... Because it was uh, a tennis court. It was mm-hmm. built by Louis XVII as a tennis court. Mm-hmm. And then they've converted it. That into- seems uncomfortable for sleeping. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, it just, the, it was the most comfortable beds and linens ever. That's all I can say. But they have okay. converted it now. I guess it was falling into disrepair. Someone found it in the 70s, this old building mm-hmm. uh, on this beautiful island, and converted it into a hotel. And it's absolutely charming. And again, found it on the internet, used it in the book, and then, but I had to book it. Six to you have to book six to twelve months in advance. It's a very popular little hotel. Wow! It was a super romantic. Wait till your book comes out. It's just going to go through the roof. Super romantic hotel. Not so much with my twenty-year-old son. But if you are planning, so if you could ever convince your husband to go to Paris, yeah, boom. Why would he want to go? I don't know. But (laughs) if you're going to Paris with your beloved, you might want to check this out. So I'll write all these all these tips up and all these places uh, uh, when we get there Uh, on my website when uh, by the by the end of this week. I've been been busy. But in general, we had just a fantastic time. You know, Paris is a big global city. We Mm -hmm. love walking around. You know, Colin's impressions, the Eiffel Tower. Why is it brown? He had no idea. (laughs) The Eiffel Tower is brown. And you know what? It looked like it needed some paint. I have to say that the Eiffel Tower, better from far away. (laughs) Because that whole thing, like this is where terrorism rears its ugly head. You used to just be able to walk up to the Eiffel Tower. Remember that beautiful park? Mm -hmm. No more. Like there's all this bad temporary fencing and security and metal detectors. Uh, And you're rooted all over the park. So that's a shame. That was a shame. So skip that. But here's a couple. This is the only show you're going to hear. Skip the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> <laughs> Just you can it. Look, look at it on the internet. Look That's at it from the other it. side of the river. It's yeah. fine. It, it was better from the other side of the river, Liz. <laughs> and then we went. He wanted to see the Arc de Triomphe, which sure. is, is great. Napoleon, great, built that. But then we were reading from our book, you know, and I said, oh, you know, Napoleon really wanted to build a 160-foot elephant. Uh, in fact, mm-hmm. so much so that That's he actually right. that he actually made like a mock up of the elephant to test it, and Colin was like, "Well, 
Now that I know it could have been a 160-foot elephant, I don't really think much of this Arctic dream. disappointing. <laughs> that would be awesome. It would have been if awesome. If that was an elephant. Spewing water? <laughs> yeah. So it's a nice triumphal arch, but imagine a 160-foot elephant. And then the last sort of place where we got duped was the Picasso Museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I had high hopes for this. I had loved it 27 years ago when I was there. A museum dedicated to Picasso. They've improved it. They've made it bigger now. They were featuring Guernica. That was the, the name of the exhibit was Guernica, Liz. Uh-huh. So well, probably would, his mo- most famous work. Yes. Right. You would assume yes. that Guernica would be there at the museum. Okay, I'm guessing from the nature of your your comment that Guernica, in fact, was not at the Picasso Museum when you went there. there. No. There's a little tone of bitterness in your voice, Liam. Yep. The name of the exhibit was Guernica. And then you come to find out when you... You said that, Liam. You got there that apparently the actual painting Guernica, oh, it hasn't left Spain since 1975. Oh, There was a big poster of Guernica in the lobby. But Colin and I, we literally started running. Like, we got in at 10. He's like, let's do like we did at the Vatican. Let's go see Guernica first and then loop back. And so we kept running around the two floors like, where's the Guernica? Where's, like, crazy. That must have been a nice sight, the two Americans. <laughs> and we're both kind of uptight, me and Colin. That's why we get along. Ugly Americans. And, and, do and, the know, art museum. And then I'm like... I don't know. I don't know where the Guernica is. And then there was like a woodcut Guernica. I was like, I don't think this is Guernica, but it looks just, there were lots of other people's impressions of Guernica. And like, works inspired by? Works inspired by Guernica. That's a good idea for an exhibit. A lot of fake Guernicas. (laughs) And it was just. (laughs) Did you get the t-shirt with the Guernica on it, Lynn? Coffee mug. Coffee mug. reluctantly got the poster with the Guernica on it, (laughs) only because I have a poster from the Picasso Museum from 27 years ago, and I up in my bathroom, and I wanted to put, and I resented having to buy that poster. I resented it. But no and every time you walk into your bathroom, you're going to resent it again. And then no Guernica and the top two floors of the Picasso Museum were closed. Oh. So okay. b- well. for renovation that day. So it literally took us like 22 minutes to see this. We <laughs> planned the That's... whole day, paid full price. <laughs> no Guernica. But that we would rec- be a Leon Dolan two thumbs down review. Two thumbs down. <laughs> to don't be duped. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah. But we spent the rest of the day just wandering around the Marais, doing our own self-taught. It's a beautiful uh, neighborhood. French Revolution tour. We would have taken another context tour mm-hmm. that day. I would have taken the French Revolution Didn't tour. Catherine de' Medici lived there for yeah. a while. Yeah. Plus yeah. De Vosges, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Plus de Vosges. We spent time there. Uh-huh. It was great. So we we did that, and there's so many, you know, charming shots. It's like Soho. You know, that yeah. neighborhood is like Soho now with great shops, and I had the world's best tuna fish sandwich there. So I recovered. <laughs> I recovered from the Guernica incident. <laughs> Don't think I haven't forgotten. And then one last thing, the one treat we did. Are we, are we way over? Yeah. Uh, no, that's yeah. okay. Um, the, one, the one thing we did that surprisingly Colin wanted to do, he said, Mom, I've heard my friends went to a restaurant here where all the waiters are opera singers. So uh-huh. they serve you dinner, and then they burst into song. Mm-hmm. And when your 20-year-old son says, I'd like to go see some opera, you're like, okay. So it was our one big splurge, <laughs> and that was really fun. It was, was called it? Bel Canto. And so we had a fancy French meal, which Colin was not interested in. But the singing was great, and it was just a really fun way. It was our last night in Paris. It was a beautiful, charming restaurant. And, you know, again, would have been super romantic with my husband, but was very enjoyable <laughs> with my 20-year-old son. 
Liz, summer is coming up and you know what that means? It means you're grilling. You're grilling and chilling there with your your butcher box. What what do you got going on the grill this summer? Well, you know, here's the thing. Because I'm going to be up in in Bend for part of the summer, I'm having my box sent there, Leanne. That's great. Go on vacation with your butcher box is what uh, what, I'm what I'm recommending. Yeah, either way, you're just going to buy meat and fish and stuff when you get there. Why do that? Anyway, you know, I love their steaks. I love their scallops. The scallops are really good. And the chicken thighs, all good. I'm ready. That's right. Butcher Box gives you peace of mind and easy to find high quality meat and seafood you can trust. It's 100% grass fed beef, free range organic chicken, pork that's raised crate free, and wild caught seafood. No antibiotics or added hormones. And as Liz said, delivered right to your doorstep. And you can customize that delivery plan, Liz, right? Because yeah. it can go wherever you want it to go, whenever you want it to go. If you want to delay it a week, you know, speed it up a week, you just go to your ButcherBox account and you can make that all happen. It's so easy to manage online. Yeah. And if you're like Liz, you can take your ButcherBox on vacation, which is... <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. Nice to have something familiar there. (laughs) Yes. So if you want to take your meat on vacation, sign up at butcherbox.com slash sisters and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional 20% off. So you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash sisters and use code sisters to choose your free for year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. I wanted to give people the update on the expo- the mystery of the exploding shoes. Yeah, Liz, that, those pictures were rough. <laughs> shoes on Facebook. Dramatic, wasn't it, Monica? Yes. Dramatic. And uh, I'm kind of sorry to report that the actual truth of the situation is not nearly as dramatic as the photo. But so here's the truth of the exploding shoes scenario. As you know, Monica, I had been in Oregon with you on vacation, right? Correct. Yes. And uh, so I drove home so that I could be home in time for the Emmy Awards. My company, particularly the show I worked on, Cosmos, was nominated for quite a few Emmy Awards. And so I was invited to go to the Emmys, but but I didn't really want to go to the Emmys because I was more of an Oregon frame of mind Mm -hmm. than I was in a get all dressed up and go downtown at two o'clock in the afternoon, frame of mind. <laughs> so on a Monday I, or whatever. On a Monday. Yeah. On a Monday. <laughs> in I know August, sounds, whatever. I, I know that sounds incredibly jaded. I am not that jaded. I just, I just wasn't in the mood. So actually I gave my tickets to other people that totally appreciated them. So, um, so Monday afternoon when I'm getting to go to the, getting dressed to go, I decide I'll go to the after party. Like my company has a party, but because the telecast starts at 5 PM, uh, Western time, um, the parties start at 8 p.m., so that's great. You know, it's not like you're going out at, at, at midnight. That, yeah, you don't have yeah. to stay up till 10. You do not. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's just an ideal situation to, like, have dinner at home, watch the show on TV, and then when the show is over, then you get dressed and you drive down, downtown. <clears throat> so as I'm getting dressed, I'm thinking, oh, God, I really don't feel like wearing tall shoes. You know, I've been in flip-flops for... 10 days are various sneakers and things in Oregon. And I just wasn't in the mood for wearing fancy shoes. So I pulled out a pair of shoes like 15 years ago. 
I was at a friend's wedding in Northern California and he was getting married on a beautiful farm and I had gone to the wedding with like fancy shoes. And then when I got there, I realized like the fancy, uh, the stiletto heels in the meadow was really not going to work out that well. So I ran into town, whatever town it was. And at Payless, I bought like a, an inexpensive pair of very cute little wedge sandals. They were silver with a little butterfly on them. Maybe oh, those, that, I know those yes, shoes. Yes, yeah. Okay. Shoes. Okay. So, so 15 years ago, I paid $15 for those shoes. I, I, I was really, they were, they were $14.99. And I thought, if I only wear them once, you know how sometimes you, right. if you only wear them once, you're still getting your money's worth. So I wore them once and they were really cute and very comfortable. So over time, I have kept them in a light rotation. Um, and every time I wear them, I think, this could be the night. This could be, this could be the night that these shoes fall apart. But what I, what I expected because they were like little sandals where the thong went through my toes. Um, I thought that's what was going to blow. Like at some point I'm going to be wearing these shoes and the thong itself is going to break. Yeah. So every time I put on those shoes, I know I'm assuming some risk. Uh, that I'm, I'm, I might not make it through the night with these shoes, but I get this pleasure of the fact that I'm still wearing shoes I paid fourteen ninety nine for and <laughs> and that nobody would ever guess like who would you would never look at these shoes and know that they were fourteen ninety nine from Payless in middle of nowhere northern California so I decide because they're more comfortable than all of my other fancy shoes I decide to wear them to this Emmy after party and so I'm wandering around having a good time at the party blah 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 but then it does get to be like 10 p.m. I'm like okay time to go home that's right <laughs> You know, at the point where now people are arriving with statuettes in their hands and you're getting a chance to see like, oh, over there, cast of Modern Family. Hello. Um, as I was getting ready to leave, I was literally walking towards the door and I could feel like the right foot, like something was sinking down more than it normally should. <laughs> and, and, and I looked down and the whole back half of the wedge had broken open. And the reason the shoes were so light and comfy is because the whole inside of the shoe was made of styrofoam. They were, these shoes were made of styrofoam. That if you ever wonder, how did they make shoes for $14.99? Here's your secret, people. It's styrofoam. So, uh, so the right shoe breaks in half and you now have styrofoam splinters. So now I have little pieces of white stuff. Uh, sort of trailing me everywhere, everywhere I walk. It's time to go. That is really wow. Cinderella. Cinderella, yeah. <laughs> Just back out, face forward. Oh, it's, yeah. your, it's your total Cinderella moment. So now I'm like carrying one shoe, uh, heading for the door, and unbelievably, the other shoe blows. Like what? What? What are the chances after 15 years that both shoes would blow up? On the same night, like, no. I, 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 like a million to one that they would go <laughs> within two minutes of each other. It's like it's like they had just reached their limit. That was the limit, and both shoes knew it was the limit. Like this is it. You have used up your fifteen dollars, lady. This is it. So now, and I'm going home. Um, I'm just calling an Uber car to go home. So I'm standing waiting for a car to roll up. The car rolls up. I now have this 
pile of white styrofoam around my feet, right? Because it's all breaking apart. So I, I'm now I pick up the shoes and I'm holding them in my hands. I look like well, it, it's not not a good look when all again now the people with the statuettes are arriving and you're standing there with the broken styrofoam shoes <laughs> and you're like okay another reminder maybe this isn't the business for you so <laughs> so I get I get in the the taxi to go home and uh, I just put the shoes on the floor and I'm trying to ignore it and then we get to my house and I go to get out. And I have completely destroyed the whole backseat of the car now. Oh, like you wow. can imagine. So the, the shoes are on the floor. The guy, I get out of the car and I'm like, oh, I'm really sorry. I, I just didn't. Because it's a completely black backseat. He actually had to like go get a little mini vac out of, <laughs> out of the trunk of his car. And he had to vacuum the back seat of his car that that's really that's you know when you're tra- <laughs> that's humiliating yes with a capital h you're really traveling in style when somebody uh has to vacuum uh as soon as you get out of the car <laughs> so that's why when i got back upstairs into my place and i just threw the shoes down on my dining room table the photo that you saw on uh the facebook page was just the shoe debris, like that's the way, there was no composition involved there. That was just the, the shoe debris. And uh, there were lots of good guesses on the Facebook page for what happened there. Uh, but that's the true story of the exploding shoes that I thought I needed to share. <laughs> well, I, it sounds like you got your 15 bucks worth out of yes, it. Next yes. time, just wear cheap shoes for 14 years. So that's, <laughs> I think that's the lesson. Is that the lesson? Like the the dollar price is the yeah. number of years, and once you get past that, you're really pushing it. So um, anyway, yep, that was that was my night at the Emmys. Glamorous, huh? <laughs> it is. What a life you lead, Liz. Wow. Wow, that really does seem like a million years ago, sisters, doesn't it? Oh my that's god. That's what that's what I thought listening to it. Like, boy, Liz was a television executive. Boy, <laughs> that seemed like a long time ago. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are people listening to Satellite Sisters now who really had no idea that you had a high flying and, you know, very grueling executive career there for a while <laughs> yeah yeah i did you know yeah. complete with getting invited to the fancy parties but they're not happening anymore lee and so it doesn't matter that i'm not a fancy tv executive anymore you know what <laughs> <laughs> i like everybody to say, wants like... to be a podcaster now see? i know yeah right you're on it <laughs> it is true well that was fun to listen to that again liz if you could dig up that photo that would be awesome. Somewhere okay. on some Facebook page, you know, you mention it, but I mean, yeah. I know it was, I know it was 2014, so it, you may not, okay. it may not be possible to find it, but you took a picture of those shoes and you, you put it on the Facebook page. And I remember. Just, yeah. I totally remember. Okay. All right. Cause I can, I certainly remember those shoes. I loved those shoes. I know. Oh. I do too. Yeah. 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 And now isn't hey. even Payless Shoes gone? Yes. It's all. No, they're coming back as of today. I read that. They were actually coming back today. Really? They're going to really? they're gonna try to sell. Yes. I read that this morning. They're going to try to start selling shoes again. Okay. Okay. All right. Wow. Just... Okay. Way to bring the positivity. Excellent. Yes. yes. I mean, that's... Payless is back. It can all come back. It can all... It's all possible. I mean, those shoes gave it their all, Liz. You have to, you have to admit that, right? <laughs> They gave everything to you. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes, they did. And they, went out with, and they went out with a bang. They yeah. ended the eyes with a bang. 
All right. Next week, we're going to be back with a brand new show. Uh, We've really enjoyed putting together these Encore shows, and we want to thank you for supporting this month of Encore Satellite Sisters. It's been a lot of fun to relive some moments and to have some fun and to be able to connect uh, in August for the first time ever. But September 1 is next week, and we will be back with a fresh new show. Is everyone ready? Mm -hmm. Not really. Okay. Well, (laughs) Yes, well, I'm we'll excited. Be ready by then, yes, we'll yes, yeah. we miss it. Yeah. We miss it. Yes, yeah. But in the uh, meantime, these shows, these August shows that we did, these are the ideal shows to share with your own satellite sisters who may not be subscribed yet. You know, the ones you're always telling them, they'll say, "What are you laughing at?" And you're like, "Oh, I'm listening to my favorite podcast." Well, here's what you do: you either go to our website, satellitesisters.com, and you can see on the podcast page you can share a show. Or the same with most podcast apps. If you listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any podcatcher, there's almost always a share feature. So these are just super fun shows for you to share with your own sisters and misters. So go for it. All right. I also want to remind people to subscribe to Pep Talk. That's our new weekly newsletter. Uh, In this week's Pep Talk, there'll be some really fun photos of my son Colin and I in Paris and in Rome and in Pompeii. Exclusive content just for the newsletter audience. So you're going to want to do that. You can find, uh, there are links all over our website. In fact, when you go to our website, there's a pop-up where you can subscribe or we have them on social media at our Facebook group page or just our Facebook page. So you can find the links to Pep Talk. We would love to have you. And thanks to all of the Pep Talkers who've already subscribed and are reading and enjoying the newsletter. We really appreciate that. Uh, A big thanks to Sergio Enriquez for putting together this show. Harder than it looks, people. Uh, also, a big thanks to the Wondry Ad Ops team, but especially Chelsea Reba for doing a fantastic job for us this year, uh, in particular this summer, which has been really tough for all the Ad Ops people, and we appreciate the extra effort, Chelsea. Thank you. All right, sisters, have a great week. You too, Leanne. And don't forget, call your satellite sister.